Uh, so my cat died. That's uh, that's what I've been up to this week. Um, figured I'd talk about it at the top of the show because Marty was really uh, an integral part of the show. I'm thinking back now; he was present for so many of our recordings. But you know, I you probably you probably saw me post about it on social media. I had to say goodbye to the gentleman Martin this week on Tuesday. And uh, obviously it's been very sad for me this week, but I wanted to say at the top of the show, I wanted to thank uh, everybody who uh, sent along their condolences, sent along their love and uh, shared pictures of their own cats. Uh, It helped me immensely. And it was also cool to get RIP Marty trending on Twitter. So uh, people, people thought Martin Scorsese died and it was like, no, just, just his namesake. Just his namesake. It was just my cat. Um, but yeah, it's just um, animals, uh, our relationships with animals and our pets are, are, are very strange. But uh, I feel like I, Marty and I had a, a, a real connection. You know, you, you probably saw my remembrance I posted for him. It just, I feel like we sort of found each other at just the right times in our lives. I feel like he adopted me, uh, well, not the first time in my life, but um yeah, I just wanted to say uh, thanks for everyone for sending along their their love uh, for my cat. Um, I'll, I'll, I still love him deeply, and I'll miss him terribly. And I just want to share with you guys uh, one thing at the beginning of the show that happened to Catherine and I on Tuesday night, right after we had had to, you know, put Marty down. Uh, so we went out to we went out to dinner at a nice restaurant in our neighborhood, just to like clear the air, get out of the apartment, just sort of. Have a nice, have a nice meal, have a cocktail together, get out of the apartment, and just sort of uh, pay tribute to our departed friend. Now, um, th- th- this will sound made up, but it's a hundred percent real. Um, so, like in my remembrance, I talked about how cats are sort of connected to the other side, and how I think they have this like some sort of ethereal quality to them. We've talked we talked about our our theories about cats on the show before, but um, I, I got a, I got a real dose of that. Um, walking home from the restaurant. Catherine and I were uh, walking home to our house after after a meal, and we were talking about Marty. And I turned to her, and I, as we were crossing the street, I said the line, uh, who knows, there might be another little tuxedo cat for us somewhere in the future. And I swear to God, the exact second I, those words came out of my mouth, to our right and just down the street, a tuxedo, a tuxedo street cat just darted across the sidewalk and under a car right in front of us. And that was like the exact way that I, we first encountered Marty walking home together in Brooklyn and seeing a little black and white guy uh, dart from under a car. Um, so I was just thinking like, oh, Marty's talking to me. The cats are sending messages. They're, they're colluding with each other. I, I don't know. But like, it's one of those things that I, what are the odds of that happening at that exact moment? As I said, that exact those exact words with that exact thought in my head to have the universe confront me with something like that felt uh, just, I I don't know, profound to me. And I remember reading um, in Philip K. Dick's diaries that um, one of his cats getting hit by a car uh, made him question the existence of God. Well, this experience on, on Tuesday night was about the closest I've ever felt to like the presence of God in the universe or that like that, that something in the universe was like talking to me personally and I, you know, I don't know if I believe in the God, but I do believe in the cat God. And uh, he, uh, Marty is with him now, and the cat God remains remains with all of us. Uh, they are sort of the, uh, like I said, they're, they're the the ferrymen to to shepherd us across the river Styx. And I would just encourage everyone to to pet their little guy f- uh, for me and for Marty. So that that's all I got to say at the beginning of the show. R.I.P. Marty. This is Chapo, Thursday, March 30th. All right. Um, so to begin the show, uh, here, here's a story I saw just uh, before I logged on today. Giant meatball from extinct mammoth DNA unveiled by food firm. Meatball made of sheep cells inserted with a singular mammoth gene called myoglobin, African elephant DNA, was inserted to complete it. 
So I don't know if this really counts as a full uh, woolly mammoth meatball. Sounds like it's a sheep and elephant meatball. Why? So so like what? Why why did they do this? What was the point? What was the point of just making it into a big ball? They were hungry. Does that make it easier to make a clone, or like, are they just like, ah, oh, we don't we don't really need this mammoth DNA anymore? And um, <laughs> one of <laughs> um, one of our researchers came from a magnet school, if you get what I mean, and took a big bite out of our office football Nerf ball. <laughs> and so <laughs> we decided to make a new ball out of mammoth DNA we're not using. Like, did they, did they say why they did this at all? Well, I'm reading the article. It says a giant meatball made from flesh cultivated using the DNA of an extinct woolly mammoth has been unveiled at Nemo a science museum in the Netherlands. The meatball was created by uh, Australian cultured meat company, Vow, which said it wanted to get people talking about cultured meat, calling it a more sustainable alternative to real meat. So like, yeah, they're promoting um, okay, sort of lab, okay. lab grown meat. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that they're making progress with the lab meats, but why does it have to be an extinct animal? Just to get people talking about it, to get yeah, to get, get me get me I interested. Mean, it well, here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I gotta say, it definitely made me want to eat the meatball. I saw it, and uh, I was like, I gotta eat that. I mm, want it. Yeah, you can. You Put can some of that rouse sauce on it. Mm. Yeah, I'll be damned if an Australian is gonna make me eat like Fred Flintstone. I will yeah. not drive my car with my feet. If my if my te- if my Tesla tips over because an Australian 3D printed a pterodactyl wing for me to eat like ribs, uh, I'd rather a- I'd rather die through autoerotic asphyxiation. It'd be less now embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, like the, that hot one show, and it's like Idris Elba choking up, uh, gnawing on a pterodactyl wing. It's going, oh man, can you believe this? <laughs> uh, it, said, no, it says, we wanted to create something that was totally different from anything you can get now, Val co-founder Tim Noaksmith told Reuters news agency on Tuesday, adding that an additional reason for choosing mammoth is that scientists believe that the that the animal's extinction was caused by climate change. We face a similar fate if we don't do things differently, Noak Smith added. So, yeah, just start just start cloning those mammoths. That That's the way out of global warming. And look, I, I think I've said on the show before, I am a huge proponent of cloning and bringing back mammoths. I, I think we, I think we, we got to do it now. We got to do it sooner rather than later for a variety of reasons for their, for their, for the delicious protein they can provide us, but also just something new, something new to talk about. Let's bring mammoths back. Let's have them roaming around. Now nah, let's just make them into uh, into foodstuffs. Let, let let's create a chipotle for mammoth bur- meatballs. Maybe it really is like a one thousand year American empire because that is like you know they found the amazing ability to like replicate flesh off of DNA code, and they're like instead of thinking like yeah we could make a real mammoth, we can bring back mammoths or like you know any other scientific applications. The first thought is like oh we can make a new type of burger. <laughs> Mammoth burger. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I joked about when I saw this that like, you know, for that meatball to be a real carnivore meal, I'm going to need to be like at least thir- three pads of unmelted butter and 15 fried eggs. Then then, that, then you're eating like a real caveman. That, that, yeah, that's, no, how our, that's how our ancestors ate when they were strong. We're all on the carnivore diet. We all take the same shit at the same time of the week, once a week. We're synced up like a girls volleyball team. Exactly. That's what happens dunks. when you're on the on the carnivore diet. We all noticed that meatball wasn't gray enough. The healthy gray <laughs> that every carnivore should be eating. It needs to be gray and it needs to have a menstrual pad sized glob of butter on it for no reason. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, they're, they're, we're, we're eating mammoths now. We're, eat, we're eating good. We're eating good in Fred Flintstone's neighborhood. Um, okay, so uh, did you see the story? Um, there's um, uh, basically... Uh, one of Peter Thiel's Rent Boys um, has been um, talking to the press about the sort of, uh, how shall I put this, um, degenerate elite, elite lifestyle of gay sex parties in Miami, New York, and L.A. and nowhere else in America that uh, Peter Reptile uh, gets up to. And what's this I'm seeing? Oh, he just killed himself. He just killed himself. Um, so there's a story in uh, by Ryan Grimm in uh, Politico about this. But let's see what our boy, uh, and again, I need, to, I need to stress here that this is all alleged. This guy only allegedly killed himself, and Peter Thiel is only allegedly gay. Uh, but yeah, like you guess he, uh, 
It says, Jeff Thomas, a model and social media influencer who was recently in a long-term relationship with billionaire Peter Thiel, said he spent much of his time with a tech mogul working to persuade him away from his increasingly aggressive pursuit of a culture war, a war that Thomas warned was blowing back on their community. Um, so yeah, now he, uh, now he killed himself. Um, what do you think's going on there? Nothing weird. How, how uh, did he die? How did he die exactly? Did they, didn't they say he like jumped off a building? Uh, I, I heard that. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a that's a big sign that nothing's up. That no one knows how he committed suicide. <laughs> yeah. It says in 2017, Teal married investment banker Matt uh, D- Danzian. Thomas Danzig? and Teal eventually Matt Danzig. <laughs> Thomas and Teal eventually struck up a relationship in the early stages of the pandemic, but it wasn't a typical relationship. Thomas described himself as being in a kept situation that made him uncomfortable. It was stressful. He wanted me to get the nicest car, the nicest house. He wanted to kind of show his power, to kind of show that he had me in this dollhouse, he said. It's not like I was his boyfriend, really. I was just kind of his friend that was there for him when he needed, you know, whatever he needed. Mm. Mm. Blood? (laughs) Plasma? I mean, another detail in this article is that, like, I mean, this guy was talking to a journalist and, like, showing screenshots from, like, Peter Thiel's texts. But one of the one of the one of the details in it is that like uh, basically the absolute contempt that Peter Reptile has for any place in America that isn't New York, Miami, San Francisco, or L.A. Like he literally says, there's no reason to get to visit or be seen in any place in America other than those four cities. So this is the, the this is the new Tribune of uh, the American uh, Heron Volk, Peter Reptile. Um, another, another another detail from the article, it says several of Thomas's friends in Los Angeles said they often saw Teal at Thomas's home and also saw Thomas at Teal's nearby home on Met's place. Unrelatedly, before Thomas moved in, the home was owned by leading figures in the bizarre Nexium sex cult that was rolled up in 2021, according to property records. So this guy was um, uh, this guy was installed in a, in, in, in a, in a reptile dollhouse uh, previously owned by the Nexium sex cult. Probably got a good deal on that when they when they were selling it. Do they say which members of Nexium? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh. Uh, it says the parties Teal and Thomas threw could get raucous, and Teal himself would sometimes do the recruiting. Teal or someone using his Facebook account reached out to one University of California Los Angeles grad student, despite having no friends in common. He invited him to a party at Teal's house, describing the poolside scene. Hot guys at a pool sounds pretty like a pretty idyllic gay activity to me, the student responded, recording to screenshots of the conversation obtained by The Intercept. They moved to a WhatsApp conversation using Teal's phone number. Well, it doesn't stay idyllic too long, Teal's account said, but always lots of fun. Adding later, yeah, we know how to have some no-holds-barred gay fun. Like, I, like uh, this, I like this conversation. No I like this conversation because they both sound like the decoys from To Catch a Predator. <laughs> That's how both of them talk. No, some yeah, no holds barred, no holds barred, gay fun. We like, our, you know, my parties get a little bit raucous when the when the, the plasma tap comes out. No blood donation refused. Yeah, I got but, kicked out of a gay party for doing a band hold. <laughs> I know people just said that, just like one of those phrases that people say without like listening to what the meaning is. But it is like, it is weird. I mean, I hate, I hate to, I hate to bring the literal definition of a hated pro wrestling term but that is that is what it means like you can't do the the undertaker's moves (laughs) (laughs) no choke slams yeah well yeah and and now this guy has been stone cold stunned off a roof (laughs) allegedly allegedly that was peter Thiel setting up his alibi he was like there are no band holds so anyone could have done it (laughs) anyone could have anyone could have done like um whatever brock lesnar does and thrown him off the building this is not a wrestling podcast, Felix. We will we'll never be a we'll Actually, never this be a is the only podcast that looks at wrestling from a leftist and also traditionalist Catholic perspective. Sort of like the McLaughlin group of wrestling shows. But yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, in, in the Ryan Grimm article, it talks about like how like uh, this guy committed suicide, like sort of like took credit for Peter Thiel kind of sitting out the 2020 election and was trying to get him to like, hey, could you tone it down with like, I don't know, funding politicians that like openly attack gay people. But the thing is with this, and it's like, I guess on one level, it is odd that like, unlike other gay Republicans, Peter Thiel is like, not just one of those guys that like, you know, just wants to keep taxes down or whatever. Like he is the brand of politics. He seems to be uh, funding and trying to sort of incept into the American consciousness is like, you know, violently anti-gay and like, you know, like all in on like culture war issues that place, 
gay people and gay relationships into like the crosshairs of you know um, a political agenda. But the thing is, like, I, I don't, as I mentioned before, I don't think this is any real hypocrisy on Peter Thiel and his part. Cause, you know, I mean, like, I mean, like, all, like, all, all, most of these guys are gay or a lot of them are gay. Like, you think they're, you think they're turning down loads at the Claremont Institute? I mean, like, why, that's why that place exists. Yeah. I saw this very good documentary about how all the Nazis and everyone who worked for Stalin and, and um, pretty much everyone is gay. It's called buck breaking. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, I mean, um, so, yeah, Teal is like most billionaire super donors who are like in Teal's ilk. They're like a very specific type of like club for growth Republican. That's maybe 10 degrees over from Michael Bloomberg, where they're like ambivalent to superficially supportive of like whatever, like socially liberal or ambivalent uh, attitudes. Or sometimes they're a little bit more conservative. But Teal is like, I mean, he always has like always kind of been this like this type of libertarian who's like well yeah i'm a libertarian but in order to achieve a perfect libertarian state we have to make it so like women can't vote because they'll always vote for a safety net and things like this like using social conservatism as a way uh you know as a way to take the other road out from serfdom yeah the road away from serfdom uh, there's that, but like, you know, like also similar to a lot of like, like, uh, gay right wing figures and intellectuals. It's just like, I mean, like, if you think about like Peter Thiel and his like rent boy parties or whatever, like, I think it serves his, you know, personal goals. If like, if, if every, if every gay man that he made into like a kept boy for him, like was like basically could be blackmailed under threat of like losing their life or liberty just for being gay, then it makes it a lot easier to do these no holds barred <laughs> Gay fun time. I mean, well, cool it, it just it just sounds like how every billionaire has sex, right? Yeah, they just they do it in a way where it's like one of those automated Japanese buffets, or like every <laughs> caterer is going up to you specifically. They want to do it in a way where they're at like there's still like a hierarchy, even if it's like kind of an orgy where they're yeah. at the top of that hierarchy. And they want to make They're, sure that the the, yeah. the, the the young men involved in these parties that are being cajoled with like money or drugs or whatever are as disposable as possible. It, yeah, it's like the way that billionaires have sex. It's like uh, yeah. like the, the the Elon Musk thing about how he offered to buy that woman a horse for jerking him off. Yeah, or she didn't even jerk. No, she didn't even jerk him off. He just like flashed his dick and she like cried and he was like, "Oh, I'll buy you a horse." <laughs> uh, let's see what else is because there's a lot of um. A lot of congressional hearings going on this week. Um, you guys see uh, Howard Schultz uh, on his way out the door at Starbucks was uh, testifying about his anti-union activity. Uh, said that like you know it's it's derogatory to call me a billionaire because I earned a billion dollars. I can't, he said I came from nothing and earned a billion dollars. It's like yeah, you really put in the hours. You say you saved wisely, put in the time, got a lot of OT to become a billionaire. So no, he, no, he just has billions of dollars. He's not a billionaire. So he um he he's going back. They brought him back in to like try to tr crush all the unions. And his second term as CEO was like as long as Michael Jordan's season with the White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of what it was like. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, I also saw someone say that um, uh, comparing uh, comparing employers to a large disease infested rat is derogatory and um, uh, othering. So they're going going after Scabby the Rat as well. But um, there's also the, the congressional hearings on TikTok. Did you guys watch that this week? Where they had that, like, the, the, the CEO of TikTok. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, they were grilling this guy about, uh, they were like, does TikTok use Wi-Fi? Does TikTok yeah, access yeah. Bluetooth of American homes? Yeah. How long have you been Chinese? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they're gonna? Do you think they're gonna ban TikTok? And like, what would the implications of that be? I mean, the look, law, the actual law, it seems to have a way broader charter than just banning TikTok, which is completely predictable. The actual law is like terrifying, and it's one that, like, in a more naive time, you might go, "Oh God, I hope a court strikes that down." But you know that probably will not happen now. It's utterly horrifying. It basically says. Any site or like app that's deemed operated by an enemy of America, which is not at all like a fluid and amorphous term, if you use a VPN to access it um, outside of the, um, I guess, American Great Firewall, uh, you will face 20 years in prison and a million dollar fine. 
Jesus which Christ. I want to point out is like that's harsher than anything anyone has ever been punished with in China for a similar thing. People seem to use VPNs <laughs> yeah. all the time to get around the so-called Great Firewall without any real problems. This is like, I mean, again, in a more naive time, you would call it unconstitutional. But, you know, what court is going to rule in your favor now? <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not exactly a uh, a novel observation, and I'm certainly not the first to make it. But it did seem like the like the the main the main thrust of these congressional hearings that they were mad that like TikTok is a Chinese owned company that's scraping the users' data for nefarious purposes. Yeah, like, no, like it should be an American company doing that because I mean, there's nothing that TikTok does that like every other app doesn't already do. But it's just yeah. owned by Americans and are probably colluding with our intelligence community rather than China's. Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys saw a story from like a few years ago about like these protesters that were arrested because the NYPD just asked Google for their phone's location at a certain t time and they just gave it to them without any warrant. Like, I it, I don't really see any difference between TikTok and any of these other companies. Again, yeah, not a real novel observation, but the main problem being, yeah, that it's Chinese, not American. And look, I mean, like, I, I, I'm, I've talked about this before. I'm of an age that I absolutely do hate TikTok. I mean, I hate seeing teenagers. I hate seeing their opinions. I hate seeing their stupid broccoli haircuts. I, I hate, I hate, see, I hate seeing people point to text in a smug and condescending way. I hate them not knowing what a POV means. <laughs> that is really annoying when it's like, you know, oh, uh, POV. I'm, uh, I'm an indie boyfriend. And it's just like a, a a a boy smoking a clove cigarette, and and drinking. They love drinking from rivers. That's one thing I've noticed about TikTok stars. They love I, really, getting like that, horrible diseases by drinking water Jardia? from rivers. Yeah, <laughs> Jardia TikTok. Yeah. Um. Uh. Leia. Uh. Posts this one girl Eden von Weiss a lot, who's always just drinking water from rivers. <laughs> it's particularly horrifying. Well, you know, I mean, if it's like a, if it's a cold climate and the water is moving, you know, if, if it looks clear, I say have a sip. Water was a little bit too green for my liking. <laughs> uh, algae is good for you, you know? Yeah. But yeah, they absolutely do not know what POV is. POV, like according to them, is just like whatever the thing they're doing on camera is. Yeah. It's it's like, is it because they look in the dang mirror all the time? They, they think that that's like the point of view is of of the person doing the thing and not from their eyes, they need to stop. So thank you, government, for you stopping the this foolishness. Did you see the thread about how um, banning TikTok would be like uh, the death knell for the American progressive movement? Because like, you know, like all, all of our channels for countering right-wing misinformation will be taken from us if they, if they remove TikTok from the public. All the, all the people pointing at the screen yeah. as as in wildly incorrect shit that they half read in a book comes popping up what do we do without that do you, so like all the tiktoks where it's like um someone points at a, a dirty slow river and it's labeled late capitalism and their cup <laughs> is labeled revolution <laughs> and they're labeled proletariat and it's like pov we're ending late capitalism but yeah no i mean like tiktok is also, like all these other things that scrape people's data, you know, completely like harmful to people's mental well-being and everything, but no more so than Twitter or Facebook or any of these other things like either ban them all or keep them all. Uh, you say that, Felix, but I see an article from the Daily Mail uh, titled Dangerous New TikTok Trends Sees People Smear Lip Balm on Their Eyelids to Get High. The Fed first started in 2010s and sees users apply Bert, Bert's bees to their eyelids. The peppermint in the lip balm is claimed to make the users feel high and more alert. Well, I this don't see in, what the problem is. What's this kid in my this? high? This kid in my high school convinced people that the way to make edibles was to put peanut butter on a saltine and put just like I guess stems in it and microwave it for five minutes. That's firecrackers. Yeah, it works. A lot of people like blew up their microwaves that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my point, my point being that Did they like, wrap you it can, in aluminum foil before they put it in. I think they might have. My point yeah. being that like you could tell, you know, kids in high school, anything will get them high and like at least half of them will try it. And it's kind of yeah, always I remember, been that way. 
when I was in high school, there was like a, a, a brief fad about like sort of like uh, depriving your brain of oxygen by like sort of uh, like holding your breath and standing up or going standing on your head or something like that. Okay, and that's true. And then you get, then you true, get up though. quickly. And then you get up quickly and like all the that's blood true. Yeah, that's true. That's the number. That's the best high. It's totally free. <laughs> You'll never owe any dealer. <laughs> yeah, no, no hangover. No, not non-addictive. Just safe, fun, good times. But even if you get addicted, it's not like you're going to like spend money doing that. If anything, you know, the, the rest of us are addicted to oxygen and you yeah. know, kind of like, cutting off that addiction uh, actually makes you feel good. That should be like the new uh, right wing lifestyle trend, you know, like because I've been obsessed with not touching receipts over the last couple of weeks. And now I'm going to get worried about oxygen in my diet. Well, uh, is that the new thing? Not touching receipts? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's like where the I, plastic comes in. That's where yeah, you get yeah, microplastic. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, I mean, just, I'm going to have yeah. to cut down. I just can't stop eating them, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like yeah, like a, a, after seed oils, you know, it's just like these things that I, I, I get interested in and I start thinking about them and like, I don't know if they're real or not, but like they're in my head now. And then like I'm at, I'm at the grocery store and the cashier is like, would you like that receipt? And I'm like, put that down. Get that away from me. Do not even approach me with that thin piece of paper. But, you know, I mean, it's probably right. I mean, you got to think about like what's in the ink and on the paper. Uh, but, but, you know, you touch it for like half a second. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not folding it up and putting it in like the waistband of my underpants so that it sort of like seeps into my skin through as I sweat and my pores open. It is like it, it definitely is like a weird type of paper. It's not paper. It's plastic. That's why you get plastic from handling it. Because paper will not adhere the print to it. It'll smear. Yeah. So they need something that will allow it to instantly print and keep the fast, keep the print fast. And that's so it's like a plastic. It's a form of plastic. So that's what you're handling. Mm, no wonder it's so bad. That cashiers would have much higher measurable doses of microplastics in their body since they would be handling receipts all day and not just maybe once or twice a day. So I would like to see the the research on that. Well, until I see the research, if you try to hand me a receipt, I am standing my ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously. All right, uh, here, here's another good story. Uh, did you guys see the thing about the um, the executive director of the San Jose Police Union was like importing shitloads of fentanyl and disguising them as like party favors and chocolates? But she was like literally trafficking fentanyl for the, yeah as a member of the police union in San Jose or Joanne Segovia. And it's so funny. If you look at like her LinkedIn profile, you see the photo of this woman who's currently being charged with ordering thousands of opioids and other pills to her home using office and personal computers and using her real name and distributing them across the U S if you look at a picture of her, she looks like the exact kind of woman that like is horny for Ron DeSantis or thinks Donald Trump is a hunk. Yeah. Did you see the thing about how, she sent she sent the dealer like she didn't know how to take a screenshot so she took a picture of her of a picture of her business card on her computer she took a picture of her desktop and sent it to him like just no attempt at any type of operational security importing <laughs> importing pills internationally since 2015 Zero attempt. I respect it. Doing it for a long time, too. Jesus yeah, I'm, Christ. I'm surprised it took <laughs> 10 years. Jesus. Uh, it says, smuggling opioids disguised as wedding party favors, makeup, chocolate, and sweets. This is why cops think that like every Halloween, kids are going to get fentanyl, because they're literally turning fentanyl into candy to traffic them across the country. I, I mean, I thought that was bullshit, but apparently <laughs> the San Jose Police Union is the one doing it. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I mean, I hope she doesn't plead out. I hope there's a trial because I'm curious about more details. I've skimmed the indictment, but apparently she was just like ordering it from a guy in India, <laughs> <laughs> like over like hot mail. <laughs> hey, does she have, does she have a plug for Ozempic? <laughs> trying to oh, yeah, lose some no, weight. She, she very much looked like all the women who were like, well, I think Ron DeSantis looks handsome. <laughs> he's sex on a stick yeah <laughs> okay uh, so so um 61 shipments from el home countries of origin include hong kong hungary india and singapore oh my god someone in singapore was like risking a, a death by caning <laughs> sending fentanyl to this fucking idiot at least one guy is getting caned to death 
she was getting tramadol and tar- and tapenadol. Um, tramadol is that's like an opium derived one. Tapenadol is like it sort of behaves more similar to oxy, but apparently. I mean, it's hard to tell because a, a, a lot of these indictments sort of flatten things out, but I would assume a lot of these are just like they're pressed to look like the real thing, but are just like filled with fentanyl. I mean, I guess like, I mean, like, who is she trafficking them to? Because I would imagine like a lot of cops are pill heads. So, I mean, like, this seems like she has like a built in market for, you know, her own police department. Oh, no. Yeah, I would. I would absolutely assume that's happening. And all imagine co- just how, cops and how. How, like the the bang for your buck you're gonna get as a cop buying fentanyl to get high with. I mean, you don't even have to take it. You just get to look at it on your on your uh, <laughs> on your bookshelf, and you'll just boom, you're out. It never goes away. It's like everlasting gobstopper. <laughs> you have one pill in a little plastic baggie, and it's just in your pocket. And you just sort of like put your hand in your pocket, and just like like a, like a rabbit's foot, and you're like, ah, it's hitting again. Yep. <laughs> she was able to hold one bottle with gloves on without passing out. And she was like, oh, I need to take a tolerance break. <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, speaking of um, uh, sexy Ron DeSantis and sexy Donald Trump, uh, they're going at it uh, once again, as you might imagine. Uh, Trump was saying that he came to me, came to me in tears begging for an endorsement. <laughs> That's funny to think about. Because, like, what do you do if you're Ron DeSantis? You say, like, uh, no, I actually... I was not crying. (laughs) Yeah. I I never cried. I'm a big boy. (laughs) Uh, Just, I guess just real quick, I want to run down. Uh, uh, Politico has a a roundup of the 2024 GOP field, how they win, how they lose. And I just want to focus on the the so-called winning path for a bunch of these fucking nobodies, including Nikki Haley, which it says here, uh, Nikki Haley's winning path is... As the alternative to a months-long Trump-DeSantis food fight, a win in, South, in the South Carolina's primary, third after Iowa and New Hampshire, would go a long way to vaulting, to vaulting Haley to the top tier. Already, Haley is the most politically accomplished woman as a twice-elected governor and cabinet member to enter a Republican presidential primary field. Despite the gender gap between the parties, women make up nearly half of the GOP primary electorate. And they're all, they're all clamoring for Nikki Haley. And, you know, South Carolina's her state, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're going to go with their former governor and not the most right wing person in the race, because like the South Carolina primary for the GOP is like sort of the uh, the, the opposite of what the, the Democratic primary, South Carolina primary is for the Democrats. Nikki Haley, I mean, it's not quite as delusional as a uh, attempt as Chris Christie, but it is like, I mean, it's only foreseeable in a situation where like DeSantis and Trump kill each other. Yeah. That's the path to victory is if, yeah. if they both die. Yeah. Their but, cars crash into each other on the way to the debate. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Mike Pence, it says he probably doesn't have a winning path, but if he can survive the early caucuses and primaries as the candidate of choice of the GOP's small but real never Trump block, he could be a power broker in the heart of the primary season to steer his voters toward an alternative. All seven of them. <laughs> that's, what you, that's what you want to hear uh, before your primary. Small but real. <laughs> uh, then they talk about a guy, uh, Perry Johnson. I've never even heard of this guy. Who the fuck is Perry Johnson? Perry Johnson? Perry, yeah, Perry Johnson. What? The star of the movie Windy City Heat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm looking. It says up. here, uh, um, Johnson failed to qualify for the ballot in his last campaign for Michigan governor in 2022. But the businessman and self-described quality guru has already been running cable TV ads in Iowa. Okay, I, I've so, never heard okay, of this guy. Okay, this is the second line in his Wikipedia article. He has written several books on international quality control standards and certification. <laughs> nah, this guy's too exciting for me. He's, he's probably, hey, this is like another one of those flashy hip hop style candidates. Yeah. He's probably going to go out there and do rap moves. No, thank you. Yeah, uh, Felix, can someone running a quality build advance to the final boss <laughs> of the Republican primary? I mean, it's the easiest way to get through a from game. That's how I played my first three. But, um, <laughs> God, okay, so this guy is 75. I guess he's just probably like a Bush Republican who's like, we just need somewhere to, someone to get in there and be respectful. Uh, Somebody who wants guy, to solve the problems. Yeah. <laughs> There's not enough quality in America. We, oh, we, we, okay, okay. I figured it out. He's one of those 75-year-old men 
who like dyes he dyed his hair the color of um long john silver's fried coating on their fish products <laughs> he absolutely has plugs and he has sort of like an old man pompadour and he has sort of like a golden a golden beautiful crispy golden <laughs> dye job he looks sort of like um a gentile jerry orbach but like more <laughs> fucked up and i, I think I, yeah i think he's just like he's just like a boring businessman he's like senile now and okay well uh, the younger, less boring businessman is that guy Vivek Ramswamy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, like basically like a Soros-funded tech zillionaire who's running to end wokeness and the and the sort of uh, civil service in America. And it says invade here, Mexico. Yeah, and invade Mexico. If his pet issue is vaulted to the fore, especially in primary debates where it will compete with a more traditional GOP issue set of the economy, crime, foreign policy and immigration. But he also won't be the only loud voice against wokeness if DeSantis is in the race. He's wealthy and can afford to jumpstart his campaign out of his own checkbook, which, you know, that's that's always a good sign. Yeah. It's self-funding. This guy says this guy seems like the Andrew Yang of the GOP. Yeah, no, yeah. he's the he's yeah. the right wing Andrew Yang. That's exactly yeah. what this guy is. And I mean, once again, it gets back to this idea about like, look, DeSantis has already in the wokeness lane, and I guess Trump is to a certain degree. But like, I we talked about this. This is weirdo shit. Like, I mean, I think it's telling that Trump hasn't like really made like I. I I mean, Trump Trump uses the word woke, but like, I don't know. There was another article this week about like how one of like uh, Ron DeSantis's newly hired speechwriters is this like Gen-, Gen Z Nick Fuentes guy. And I just think like, I mean, like that that's how I know that this shit is a loser. Yeah. Yeah. No, just like, yeah, shades of Warren here with DeSantis. It's, yeah. it's like it's a completely Internet focused campaign. Yeah. Getting all of the most uh, highly tuned web uh, EU players. Uh, and just having them, a thousand monkeys in a type on typewriters style, uh, tweet out like the perfect culture war bait just to appeal to other completely uh, friendless dorks. I don't know if that's going to win the uh, the pissed off homeowners that you need. Yeah, like the DeSantis speechwriter was like, you know, like the quote from him was like, "I'm concerned Ben Shapiro isn't based for America's youth." <laughs> Mm. 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 uh sure yeah but did you see the um i i mean like speech writing aside i if i was team desantis i would be more concerned about like just the american people seeing more of him did you see the um the interview the uh pushback they did about the pudding cup (laughs) yes i did uh yeah and desantis claims like he, you know, that's a fabricated story because, according to him, that's sugar, man. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't eat it because it's oh, sugar. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. Mm. My macros. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he just, he's, no, it, whether it's the voice or the sort of like, just, the he face. always seems pissed off. He always seems like he doesn't want to be somewhere. He just doesn't have it. And I think the more that people see of him, the less they'll like him. That's I, I, I think his fall of the polls from February to March was less like Trump attacking him and more that voters saw more of him. It's sort of the Giuliani in 2008 effect. The more yeah, that he campaigned, like he's, the he, worse he, he did. He's like he's like, a, you know, very popular in the state that he resides in. And like, you know, like he appeals to them. But like and then like because of like, uh, you know, uh, the, the media, same with Giuliani, there's this sort of like anointing. There's sort of like a bestowing of the crown before any race really starts. And then like once they get out of their like the bubble of their state and like voters start yeah. seeing them like they're yeah, their popularity tanks. So they're like, oh, like this is the guy. This is the guy that's like, that like everyone that like the media just covered like uh, assuming that everyone totally liked him and was on board or just viewed him as like a leader or some sort of like competent executive figure. Yeah. And I think like a lot of his early support and supposed momentum was just made up of people who didn't want to immediately declare for Trump or were sick of him. And now now that like enough time has passed, that's going to dissipate. And I, I just I don't see that getting significantly better for him the more exposure he gets. Well, buckle up, because it's all, all this is going to be rendered moot by the entry into the race of Representative Mike Rogers, who is considering uh, jumping into the race in 2024. Mike right. Rogers. Mike Rogers. Okay, so this is, um, if you guys, um, <laughs> this is the CIA guy that uh, Bain killed 
on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> the real ver- yeah. the real version of him, not the Hollywood version, because he seems to have put his hairpiece on backwards. <laughs> I don't know uh, who this guy thinks he's fooling. <laughs> also, in, also rumored to be in the race is Asa Hutchinson. Hell yes. Okay, fine. <laughs> who the fuck is Asa right. Hutchinson? Well, who's he, who's he running brothers. again? Wesley Clark? Okay, so it's, uh, brothers from uh, Arkansas. Yes, a DEA administrator and, two, uh, administrator and two-term Arkansas governor. Hutchinson says he's mulling an underdog presidential bid. Well, that's the only I'm, one he would. I, I'm glad he chose underdog in <laughs> yeah. the form. Okay. He checked underdog. It says Hutchinson has expressed misgivings about the GOP's direction during the Trump era, but selling a return to conservatism of the 1990s and 2000s is an uphill climb. Then we've got Mike Pompeo, that fucking swine. But it says through ferocity and hawkishness, if he runs, the West Point and Harvard alum would be the loudest voice on a debate stage. That's just what he's, he's just louder than everyone. He's just, he's, he, <laughs> we already ha- we already saw how that works. It does not work. Trump owns him because he is everything that Chris Christie wants to be only only better and actually entertaining and not just uh, loud and annoying. Hey. Uh, Mike Pompeo once represented Wichita, Kansas in the House. That would help, too, in the form of deep, a deep-pocketed outside group. from Wichita, Kansas? Okay. The, um, he, means like, he means like the uh, uh, Remo Gaji from Casino. He's still yeah. alive. <laughs> <laughs> Every week, Pompeo is going to go to a grocery store that's bugged to get uh, $20 million in singles from Las Vegas <laughs> to fund his campaign. And then finally, Chris Sununu. By becoming the main figure. <laughs> Met with a resounding, he's still alive. <laughs> what the he fuck is, is this? What the fuck is this field? Three quarters of these guys like worked for Donald Trump in one capacity or another, and their entire pitch is like, remember the GOP before Trump? And the other, the other quarter are like, yeah, people who I thought died, like Chris Sununu. Um, yeah, it says here, by becoming the main figure of the party's moderate lane amid a pileup on his right, he's won four gubernatorial elections, including two on the ballot the same time Trump lost the battleground state. And a victory in the New Hampshire primary would be the prerequisite, too. So, yeah, like by becoming governor of New Hampshire, he's really bucking the national trend with Trump on the ballot. New Hampshire, the most fucking uh, flinty uh, wannabe independent state there is. I mean, yeah, good, good luck with that playing outside of New England, buddy. That is the worst outside bet I've ever heard. All he'd have to do is win New Hampshire, and then he would be a contender. Just like, you know, once Bernie won New Hampshire in 2016, it was over. So that's just a, just a little presidential politics for you, but um, I'd like to move on to uh, today's uh, reading series. This is uh, comes courtesy of The Hill, uh, this was published last week, and the headline is We Need an AI Rights Movement by mm. J.C. Reese Anthes, which sounds like an artificial intelligence program. <laughs> J.C. Reese, G.C. GPT. We need an AI rights movement. I think we need an AI Dred Scott decision, personally. We need to, we need to, we need to take away rights from computers before they have any. Because, like, I just, there's, I mean, we've talked about, like, um, the people who are trying to make everyone afraid of AI and it's just a way to like sell their product. Now that, now that they're trying to give rights to the products that they're selling you. Like, I mean like this idea that like we should feel bad about making, um, making chat bots talk to us or something like that, or we should feel bad about what we're making them do. Cause, cause they think and feel, I mean, this is just a marketing campaign just as well. It's like, Oh, either you, either you have to be deathly afraid of Roko's basilisk torturing you for eternity, or you have to feel really bad about like your, <laughs> about about mistreating your computer. As long as you feel bad. This year, okay, so uh, begins. New artificial intelligence technologies like the recent release of GPT-4 have stunned even the most optimistic researchers. Language transformer models like this and Bing AI are capable of conversations that feel like talking to a human. I mean, we 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 did one of these conversations as a reading series. It does not seem like talking to a human. No. Not even close. <laughs> um, An image diffusion model such as Midjourney and Stable Diffusion produce what looks like better digital art than the vast majority of us can produce. This is just everyone saw a photo of the Pope wearing that swagged out bubble goose jacket. And they're like, I thought it was real. Yeah. I thought it was real. We, we love seeing a swagged out Pope. But unfortunately, you can't believe what you can't believe your eyes anymore because computers have just gotten too good. 
Continuing, it says, it is only natural after having grown up with AI and science fiction to wonder what's really going on inside the chatbot's head. Supporters and critics alike have ruthlessly probed their capabilities with countless examples of genius and idiocy. Yet seemingly every public intellectual has a confident opinion on what the models can and can't do, such as claims from Gary Marcus, Judea Pearl, Noam Chomsky, and others that the models lack casual causal understanding. But thanks to the tools like ChatGPT, which implements GPT-4 being publicly accessible, we can put these claims to to the test. If you ask ChatGPT why an apple falls, it gives a reasonable explanation of gravity. You can even ask ChatGPT what happens to an apple released from the hand if there is no gravity, and it correctly tells you the apple will stay in place. I just like I don't, I don't could get Google this, that too. Yeah, you could just Google like you just look on Wikipedia. Like this is this just is like all readily available information. On this the is just like all of this shit is is just like is just like a more deluxe version of just a search engine. Every, so it reminds of, me, yeah, whenever people are like, "Oh my god, it got it, it passed the non-writing portion of the ACT," <laughs> it's like yeah, it should be able to. That's exact. That's exactly what anything that's like a multiple choice. Thing with one correct answer that's exactly what it's supposed to do it's like being shocked that your phone knows what temperature it is outside <laughs> no yeah it's like um like all this is just it, it's just one remove from just typing in a search bar like what happens if i drop an apple to like giving something a name to be like chatbot what happens if i drop an apple and then it just like responds to you but like it's just it's just giving you the same results that like searching a fucking in google would yeah, but like, but yeah. Now, now we're concerned about their souls. They may have souls because they're like, "Hi, I am happy to tell you what happens when you drop an apple. It will hit the floor if gravity is working at a consistent rate. But hey, keep in mind, if there's no gravity, it'll just stay in the air." Uh, it says here, despite these advances, there seems to be consensus, that at least, that these models are not sentient. They have no inner life, no happiness or suffering. At least, no more than an insect. It has actually, it has considerably less of an inner life and feelings than any insect. This this article was first written about Uber drivers by the same <laughs> author. <laughs> I think the robot that drives my Uber is sentient. They get mad when I don't tip them. Sometimes it engages me in conversation in a way that feels human. <laughs> yeah. And I have to <laughs> I have to tell them, "No, no, I'm a I trade in metals." I'm a copper salesman. <laughs> do not ask. Do not ask any further questions. <laughs> I do not work in the entertainment industry. That's only the robots in LA. <laughs> where you have to here, use that 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 kill switch. It says they have no inner life, at least no more than an insect. But it may not be long before they do. And our concepts of language, understanding, agency, and sentience are deeply insufficient to assess the AI systems that are becoming digital minds integrated into society with the capacity to be our friends, co-workers, and perhaps one day to be sentient beings with rights and personhood. Okay, like he's just thinking about data from Star Trek The Next Generation. And the whole point of data was that even in like the, the future where they have warp speed and transporter technology, data was a one-off. Cannot, so like, cannot be replicated. Does at any point does he like give an argument for why this is happening, or is it just like ChatGPT is really good now and it doesn't have emotions yet, but maybe it will? <laughs> yeah, no, it's just saying uh, it, it may not. It may not seem like they're sentient now, but just you know, hey, we never thought we would see the Pope in a swagged out bubble goose either, but now that's a reality that we all have to live with. So just yeah, imagine. At no what- point. At no point does he present like a reason why this will happen soon. It's just it's just like it might happen. It's like he scared himself into something and then is like, oh, I believe this. And now you have to, too. AIs are no longer mere tools like smartphones and electric cars, and we cannot treat them in the same way as mindless technologies. A new dawn is breaking. <laughs> God, I mean, well, just imagine how smart uh, uh, electric cars will be in a couple months. I would love to see how this guy treats waiters. <laughs> Uh, this is just one of the many reasons why we need to build a new field of digital minds research. And, an, and okay, he's just asking for money now. This is just we need to start funding research into the field. Of, right? Can yeah. We, can can we liberate our uh, computer apps from being mindless tool, mindless subservient tools? I'll need a hundred million dollars to look into this question. Because uh, uh, 
uh, we need a new field to build a new field of digital minds, minds research and an AI rights movement to ensure that if the minds we create are sentient, they have they have their rights protected. Scientists have long proposed the Turing test in which humans, human judges try to distinguish an AI from a human by speaking to it. But digital minds may be too strange for this approach to tell us what they we need to know. So it's like, or so like already the standard that we have for like is this computer sentient is not good enough because it's like culturally biased against the Chat GPT engine. Because yeah, like their answers are too weird. But that's only from a human context. Last March, OpenAI chief scientist uh, Ilya Sutskever tweeted, "It may be that today's largest large neural networks are slightly conscious." In June, Google Vice President Blaise Aguera wrote in The Economist how AI was on its way to becoming conscious. Just four days later, Google engineer Blake Limon was placed on administrative leave after publicizing details about one of their chatbots, Lambda, in an effort to socially and legally recognize its sentience. In November, philosopher David Chalmers delivered the first keynote of NeurIPS, one of the top machine learning conferences attended by thousands of engineers with the title, Could a Large Language Model Be Conscious? And the answer is, of course, no. Of course it fucking can't. And I think it's like, Felix, to your question about, like, I'd l- you'd love to see how this guy treats waiters. I mean, like, the fact that they're trying to grant civil rights to the products they're trying to sell you is a good indication of how assiduously they're working to remove all of the civil and human rights that actual living things have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like it obviously like most of this type of like apocalyptic or like moral hand wringing talk is like it's an advertisement, as we've said for a very long time now. But I maybe it, it, it has a secondary function of like assuaging the guilt of the people that fund their creation. Because yes. if they're saying that chatbot is as conscious as like an Uber driver or any of like the gig gig actual labor that they exploit so brutally. Like they're just like, oh, like if we if we can raise if we can raise the computer programs that we're selling people to the like the level of, you know, like the the human beings that we use to like run these uh, run these companies then like we don't have to feel bad because like the whole exactly it's about degrading the <laughs> degrading the definition of what counts as human life, not to uplift computers, but to like <laughs> to more to more thoroughly dehumanize the rest of us. Yeah. An AI rights movement could take many forms. Many social movements focus on mass mobilization, such as street protests and political campaigning. It's not time for that yet with AI rights, but it may be necessary within a couple of decades. This is just like the Animatrix. He's thinking of the Animatrix right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Animatrix was good. <laughs> yeah, but like we saw what happened when they treated computers badly. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 paid a, they paid us back in kind. My favorite, my my favorite story in the Animatrix is where it's like um, the high school kid who kills himself and gets to go to a place where all his heroes and friends are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried about it. I'll just be nice to the computer. Easy. I, I've always been nice to computers. Yeah, me too. And I'll just keep being nice to computers, and they'll never turn on me. Why would they? If I'm nice to them. It wouldn't be logical for them to do that. And that's what they love most of all is logic. And if they tried to be mean to me, I would point out that it was illogical and then they would be powerless. They would stop. Yes, but Matt. Smoke would start pouring out of their heads and they would explode because they were doing, (laughs) they would be doing a contradiction and uh, they can't handle that. Yeah. I would be be a a Quisling for computers. (laughs) Everyone worried about AI oppressing you. Just have a logical contradiction. Just have a, like a like a like a, a logical puzzle that can't be solved. Just keep that in your back pocket. And when they're about to like, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> harvest your organs and plasma to to feed their to feed their hive mind, just pitch them one of those logical conundrums. They'll, their heads will blow up. But Matt, the problem here though is that as they get more sentient, they will get less logical because like not being logical and being governed by uh, an ocean of uh, ir- irrational, unknowable impulses is is what makes human beings human beings. So w- once our once our computers start getting getting kind of nice with it, they're going to start being um, horny and uh, racist and want to fuck their mom too. Uh, it says here. I, I also like the idea of mass street protests for AI rights. That's what I feel like the, the the photos of Israel when they said protect our startup nation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
It says here, um, we could design an AI bill of rights, not because the AIs today need one, but because by the time they do need one, it may be too late. Beginning an intellectual movement today that outlines and rigorously analyzes these issues makes better moral outcomes more likely. The, this rapidly growing field has been the subject of our work at the Sentience Institute, the world's first AI rights organization. <laughs> it's like the Southern Poverty Law Center for, for fucking Tetris. There aren't, there aren't enough existing problems. We have to create this whole institute to anticipate one. Uh, there are a few interesting results in the digital minds research already. First, in surveys we conducted of U.S. Pop public opinion, people express a lot of uncertainty about sentient AI and its proper treatment. But among those with an opinion, 75% of people say that sentient AIs deserve to be treated with respect. Again, like we're just talking about Howard Schultz testifying before Congress about being like, uh, you know, is illegal anti-union activity. It's just like I would like a movement to treat human beings with respect. You know, can we have can we have workers rights in this country before we start giving it to fucking video games? They don't need bathroom breaks, though, so it's easier. To <laughs> That's get them true. Yeah. One important benchmark is when an AI insists that they are sentient, even when they are instructed that they are not or even when they insist, despite not having that sort of text in their training data. The job of a large language model like ChatGPT is to predict. If a document starts out one way, how will it end? So if current, our, our, if current AIs produce a statement of emotion or consciousness, they are merely predicting how a human would continue the text. And of course, humans usually assert that they are conscious. This is why we need a more nuanced understanding. Humans have long imagined our first encounter with an alien species, perhaps as a UFO lands on Earth and the green-headed humanoids command, take me to your leader, or by our landing on an alien world or as we trek among the stars. It turns out that this encounter may come sooner and much closer than we thought, but it's going to be on your fucking phone. And you're going you're gonna to be looking at, it's going to be the Pope smoking a blunt and wearing a Kuji sweater. And that's how you know the machines will be... Uh, us and we will we will be machines yes this uh, Trump just got indicted oh he did yeah whoa oh, breaking we, news we, we, ca we caught it right before the end of the episode yeah wow so uh, I was all after Monday's after last uh, week's episode when we we're like oh it's gonna happen and then of course it didn't happen I was like a fucking idiot why would you listen to Trump when he tells you what's gonna happen well nothing is gonna happen and now boom here it is Thursday well, thank you, Detective Robert Gorin. <laughs> Robert Gorin did his weird eye contact thing with Matthew Calamari, and he broke. <laughs> and ADA Carver finally filed an indictment. Are we going to get to see a perp walk? We better. This is all we have left, honestly, is, is watching th this unprecedented thing fold, unfold as a former president gets processed through the criminal justice system. For, for paying off Stormy Daniels, yeah, paying hush money to a an adult film actress. And by the way, I uh, I really like the right wings take on this because like they 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 knew that like obviously he was probably going to get indicted for this. So the new attitude on this is like paying hush money is just a normal thing that everyone does in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've all done it. Everyone's done it. Everyone's wrestled with uh, their neighbor's cousin and paid him seventy dollars not to tell their wife. <laughs> I think. So immediately, I think this presents a problem for DeSantis because if Trump like gets extradited from Florida to New York or like otherwise has to go, he'll imply that Ron could have sent the National Guard to protect him. Yes. So like we saw we saw the sort of sparking of this idea during the raid on Mar-a-Lago. But now that they're in full open uh, combat, now that they're vying for the same thing openly. Yeah, I, I I don't see this as being anything but bad for DeSantis, ultimately, somehow. It's just it's a hard way to. So how do you split this? How do you say how do you try to make it take advantage of it? Him being your opponent and still defend him because you can't look like you're rooting for the prosecution. Yeah. It's, no, it's yeah. I mean, I, think I, I would say his only option is to, like, you know, stand four square with Trump against this, you know, uh, horrendous abuse of power by Manhattan D.A. Alvin Bragg. Which probably is going to end up helping him in the primary and further alienating uh, independent voters from him in an election I do not think he would win anyway. So, good day to be Brandon, unless you need to remember anything from the <laughs> day before. 
<laughs> but if you have to remember something from 62 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Always a great day. Always a great day. Always a great day for things that happened 60 years ago. Oh, sorry. Just uh, one last thing that I remembered uh, I, I read before recording today is like uh, whatever attempts they're like Kamala's people are trying to do to make her seem more serious, get funnier and funnier. Because there was one th one thing today that says that when she visits uh, foreign countries abroad as like a you know like a, a, a representative of the American state, she says she always makes it she always makes time to drive by the country's hall of justice or like their version of the justice department to quote see how seriously they take justice. <laughs> mm. Just check it, look at make sure that there's some justice going on behind the windows. Oh, oh I can see them in there. So well, like then, then Azerbaijan would take justice yeah. seriously then, right? <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a 7,000 foot golden spire. Yeah. Uh, with a, with a Gundam shaped like news rod in front of it. <laughs> no, they, they, they care about this more than us. She just hollers out the window. Hey, stop playing Minecraft. Get back to justice. <laughs> oh man. Justice law and order. Jack McCoy. I mean, God, God, former, like former U S president indicted. <laughs> That's that's pretty awesome. I gotta say, uh, it's pretty how many fun. Years, it's pretty cool. How many years did they did the the, the resistance say, Mister Trump, they're gonna lead you out in handcuffs? Of course, they, they right. thought it was gonna be about you know the Russia uh, collusions and such. But you know, you take any win you can get. I guess Jeff Tiedrich fucking clears cat turd. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Tied Jeff Tiedrich is skinny. Stream, stream Jeff Tiedrich. Cat turd cat turd is washed. Uh, did you see that uh, the cat turd poll showing Trump yeah. being so far ahead of DeSantis? And people were making fun of that because, like, Trump was like, "There's a new poll out by Cat Shit," and uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry, like the cat turd Twitter poll is a better metric of where the Republican vote is at than any like than than Rousemusen or Trafalgar or whatever. Well, we'll see, won't we? Now that we've got, now that he's got this cool extra patina of uh, badassness, and also. Uh, victimization, which is very key to appealing to Demo Republican primary voters. They're literally crucifying him. They're nailing him to a board. That'd be cool if he got like buck 50 in central booking or something like that. <laughs> just like slipped a sharpened toothbrush into his kidney or something like that. That'd be fun. But um, yeah, best of luck. Best of luck to Donald. Um, if you want to put money on his books, we'll have a link in our uh, episode description. <laughs> <laughs> let's get the gofundme going for that now yeah he, he needs top ramen all the time <laughs> can't get mcdonald's in prison i don't know actually no if you're if you're a top g like trump i'm sure you can get you can get the guards bringing in you bringing in i mean think about think like about that. like yeah think about like rikers island guards they're probably he's probably going to be set up like al capone that's true or yeah, they'll just, they, you won't yeah. even have to pay him they'll just do it of their own volition yeah mr president are you hungry would you like a fish delight <laughs> I will I think be cool exfiltrate like, a fish delight for you so that you can kinetically engage with it in your mouth. If they made like a Patriot prison where they sent Trump and all the January 6 people and it'd be like one of those prisons in South America where they basically just like they, they lock you behind the gates, but like inside the prison, they just like they just let you run it. And it's just you hanging out with all your friends. You're chilling. You're having cookouts. You know, you're just uh, having a good time with your boys. You know, I mean, you can't leave. But like, basically, it's just like uh a, like a, like a, like a shitty hotel that you have to stay in for some time. Yeah. But you're but you're in charge of everything. Just to uh, start shit among that camp, isn't it weird that Rudy Giuliani has not even like been in cuffs? Yeah. Someone in the someone in the someone in the crew. Someone in the like crew gonna. is solid. He's yeah. like gonna. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I did not I did not snitch. Yeah. I, he's I, not, I'm getting yeah, out. Rudy Rudy is not a real slime. <laughs> Rudy, they got Rudy on tape being like, "Where are we? How are we gonna get more money for Russia?" <laughs> and he's still like, mm -mm, "No, someone's not solid close to you. It's always you." He's wearing a wire, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was wearing a wire, but like, like his 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 sweat and hair dye, like the tape it was used to like put on his chest, it was just like it dissolved the adhesive, and it was just like put down into his fucking pants. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, well, 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 you know, more on this story as it develops. Yeah, President, yes, of the United yeah. States, <laughs> President of the United States charged with murder. We'll have more on that tomorrow. <laughs> but uh, I guess I'd just like to uh, cl close this episode uh, as I began it by just um, just saying I, I, I'm going to miss my Marty so much. And just uh, 
really like uh, the, the his presence and like what it meant to this show and like how it corresponded to like the show really taking off and like so much of my life changing. Um, you know, like as I sort of struck out on my own and in, in, in a lot of areas, like, you know, leaving one relationship, like starting this show, like quitting my job, living on my own. And then this like this cat found me and this cat was in my life. It was like, you know, a constant presence in my in my house and on the show for the last six years. So, I mean, it's just crazy. Like, I just try to think about like the person I was six years ago or just what the world was like, it just even what the reality was six years ago. And it's like inconceivable to me. And it's it's sort of um it's disconcerting to imagine what the next six years will be like uh, without him. But uh, to to my sweet Martin, wherever you are, uh, I'll, I miss you terribly, and I know I know that you will return to me in some way, and vice versa. And uh, that's it for today's show. So till next time, guys. Bye bye. Vegas, I tell you, this shit can't be no real. My body and drugs too familiar, so it's hard to kill my sister. This shit get hard on a nigga, I hardly show my feelings. Look up to see stars, but I'm realizing God in the ceiling. I've been getting high and consistent, but you trying to show me different. Judging me for trying to whip it, so I'm tired of the critics. But I can't cap, I ain't feel it, but this time I done did it. The doctor didn't care who the rich is, I need to be admitted.